0: I'm all vaccinated it was uneventful i have to say at least that's so far good. i'm yawning while i'm talking i'm a little bit sleepy but that's not the vaccines fault. i was sleepy yesterday and i don't know if it's the vaccine i definitely did not sleep uh long enough last night
1: so um mm. no matter what that's a major factor <laughs> was it hard to fall asleep because of the vaccine or was it something else
0: no uh, it was just i stayed up till three so uh because not of the because vaccine of, no because i felt like it
1: <laughs> <laughs> my destiny to be here in this podcast. This is episode 184 of the Insert Credit Show, where a panel of video game experts contends with a relentless onslaught of topics at a rigorous pace, all in hopes of avoiding the consequences of the horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Jaffe, and if I had to wear any video game character's mask while out in public, I'd wear Vegas from Street Fighter.
2: And I hate these ones where we gotta, like, quickly use our brains, document... <laughs> like every mask we can think of like all i can think of literally is majora's mask and i've never played it <laughs> so i don't know what any of the masks are um oh i don't know my name is frank spaldi and if i had wear a mask from video game it'd be that thing that flies around in super mario 2 that thing's kind
1: of cool looking. i like that thing oh the phantom mask that's a there good you one go. yeah. yeah that's
0: a good one uh my name is brandon sheffield if i had to wear a mask out in public. Maybe I would wear the uh the little princes mask that he gets in near. Uh he wears it on top of his head, but I would have put I would put it in the front. In the front of my head. Like a normal normal mask. I don't know why it's
3: on top of his head. It doesn't really make sense that he does that, but whatever. My name is Liz Ryerson. I don't know if you want me to introduce myself. I, no, I go no,
1: for it. You're part of the team now. Oh okay. right.
3: Yeah that's right. Okay. My name is Liz Ryerson and I imagine that like Sonic sheds his skin every like once every couple years or whatever it's like every time that they get a new voice actor for sonic he sheds his skin mm. so I'd, I'd wear his his face as a mask but like not one of those like,
1: melty sonic the hedgehog good humor ice creams yes yeah exactly
2: well you know his his skin from the jaleel white era is actually worth a lot of money now <laughs>
3: yeah well that's why i'm i have it you know in a climate controlled setting i mean the
2: smithsonian has called and you've ignored them
3: yeah well you know i'm one of those people who doesn't like to dump the roms of my like one you know prototype game i'm just like that's that's my thing and you know the world is just gonna have to deal with
1: it oh i didn't know you were my dentist (laughs)
3: <laughs> i want to point out for the second show
1: in a row
2: because it was po- it was already mentioned uh, i am dumping roms as we speak okay well great
0: G- yeah great uh guess guess what i was trying to interrupt you to make a joke about hint it was the exact same thing you made a joke about
2: uh the jaleel white thing
0: yeah uh, yeah like yeah. <laughs> yeah. being the 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 premier one yeah oh yeah
1: everyone's after that Yep, that's the chase variant.
0: Stefan or Kel? Uh,
1: Anyway, as this podcast works, I have a uh, secret tally that I keep behind the scenes as we make our way through the topics. And whoever gets the most points is granted the honor of choosing a question for the next show. And last week, Rarity of Rarities, Brandon won the whole thing. So, uh, Brandon, now is your time to uh, deliver that inaugural scene setting question to the rest of the panel.
0: Tell you what. Here's something funny. I've always got a question ready to go, and I never win. But this time I won, and I forgot. So uh, how
1: about we come back to me a little later? You got it. In that case, what are we learning about the modern video game industry in the Epic versus Apple trial that's going on right now?
0: Oh, wow. We're definitely learning that. um, I mean, I think that we aren't learning that much, maybe. But I think that a lot of people that do not work on video games going to be learning a lot and i hope that it's helpful in terms of getting people to understand what goes on in the game industry but like yeah looking at those buyouts and stuff like devolver is really good at getting the money is is what i learned for did you do you all see that big list of what epic paid everybody
3: uh no do you have a a link to that list
0: um not handy but it was it went around on the internets and like Enter the Gungeon, which was already had already been out for like a year by the time they got that buyout, got $700,000 and and other games are getting like 50k and stuff. It's wild.
2: It also clarifies how many new users signed up from that game. So you actually can. uh, I forget if it's in there or, or you have to tally it yourself, but you can tally the acquisition costs. It's in there. Yeah. Okay. great. And so, you know, it is also interesting to see that which games work and which games don't. Like, I believe... Celeste may have lost epic money, but uh right. a lot of the larger games, despite the large amount of money, you know, they came out ahead spending on it.
3: The thing I would say about it is like uh the the game industry may it, it may or may not be an actual monopoly in that like there may be two or three companies, but there what I'm what I mean is there can be two yeah. or three companies and it's still essentially a monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A duopoly is not functionally different. Yeah, it is not functionally different from a Monopoly, even if it's Apple, Epic, and Valve, who are the ones who are fighting each other over everything.
0: Yeah, you know, for the, for the nth time, we're learning that money is this weird, illusory piece of nonsense that just, like, can arbitrarily go one direction or another. I was really surprised to see that... What's his name's everything? You know that game? Everything. Yeah. David, o- David, David O'Reilly.
3: Yeah, David O'Reilly.
0: That got 200k from... From Epic, and it's like good. I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but like, good for I'm him. I'm glad that some experimental weirdo game got 200k
3: for some reason. Um, the, well, it's uh, only certain experimental weirdo games that already have some kind of deal with a publisher or whatever, course. right? Like,
1: I don't know, maybe they were thinking 200,000 for literally everything. What a bargain! They thought they could just get that game and then they'd have the entire library.
3: Maybe they got fooled by semantics. That's probably what it was. It makes me think of like, you know, like Silicon Valley, like uh, venture capital firms that are just kind of throwing money around at various things. Epic has so much money now that they can just kind of throw it at whatever that they think that might catch on. And, you know, within the game development sphere it always has been a thing of like whatever new platform you have try to get on that thing and then three years later it's a new thing you know it was xbox live arcade and then it was steam and then it was doing vr and maybe the switch store and and now now it's this kind of thing so i don't know it just like it's it's like one little like bubble that passes or another and it's 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 a little frustrating how much this cycle just continues to repeat itself in like three-year intervals. It's massively frustrating.
0: I mean, I the only way that my company has survived is by doing those kinds of deals. Like that's it. I don't actually know how to sell a video game for profit. I don't know how you do that. I haven't experienced it. The only thing I know how to do is to get on these platforms and get by that way. It's weird. Our, our next game is the one where we're going to have to actually sell it. But it's um, it's a frustrating thing because I think about like anyone who doesn't have the length of time in the industry that that I have would have a much harder time doing this than me. And it's not really fair. Um, I mean, not that anything's fair, but it's not really fair that my company is able to survive because I know people primarily like, uh, you know, at, at this point, Gunhouse Gun has made a profit in sales but it took five years of doing deals with various companies to where enough people had played it through buyouts or for free that then it became a game that people could know about enough for them to actually want to purchase it so that it could then actually make a profit it's very unfortunate and i can't imagine being like a new person in the game industry in 2021 and having to be like, wait, how do, how do you make how do you make money on this? And at the, on the other hand, like I'm in my own bubble thinking about this kind of stuff, because then there are games that come out of total left field and just do gangbusters sales. And like, I don't that's like a sphere I don't know anything about. So I don't know, it's, it's all very weird. I don't like thinking about it that much.
1: Yeah. Good news. You don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I came up with my question, Jaffe, unless you also wrote a question based on that thing I emailed you five days ago.
1: Uh, no, drop it in. Okay, so
0: you all may have seen this Bizhawk Shuffler. Bizhawk being one of those mm-hmm. uh, tool-assisted speedrun recording tools. Uh, no, Bizhawk is an an
2: emulator suite.
0: Oh right, yes, sorry, but uh, it's often used by tool-assisted speedrun people. Is why. I... Yes. Anyway, uh, it
2: has good tools for assisting. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> uh, anywho, this person's been working on a Sonic Shuffler, which swaps games whenever Sonic gets a ring. So it'll go like Sonic
3: 1 to Sonic 2 to Sonic 3 to Sonic C. Uh, oh, yeah. I know who that person is, that Alistair a- Aitchison or That's whatever. Right. I, I follow him on Twitter, yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, you just did a version of it that includes the 3D Sonics as well. So it can be like, not all of them, but Sonic R is in there. Sonic 3D Blast is in there. Uh, some GBA games are in there now. Anyway, what do you think would be another game that would be either good or infuriating to do something like this too like every time you stomp a goomba it's a different mario what what would be one where it would actually be satisfying or one that would be more infuriating than sonic
2: well i think you know using that exact same tech you could take all six mega man games on the nes and add some portals in there and and do that yeah that's a joke because i did that <laughs> in case yes. i didn't come across yeah ah. it's the same exact concept it's you're basically just uh save stating into places um except the the difference here is that uh when you collect a ring you are also creating a new save state yeah uh, in that game to be added to that sort of list Uh, i think it's brilliant but anyway good
1: i would make it a sort of punishment where you're encouraged to avoid collecting coins because if you do you're transported into a much worse game like say uh super mario 64 if you collect ten coins. You're transported into Banjo-Kazooie and you can't go back until you get a jiggy.
3: I like (laughs) (laughs) Banjo-Kazooie. We're just shitting on rare today. Yeah. Um, I, I, mean, I would not. think it would be really irritating if it were a racing if it were a bunch of different racing games oh, at wow. like different speeds where every time you make <laughs> contact with <laughs> another <laughs> racer, like not finish laps or anything, but every time you make contact with another racer, it switches to another game. And it could be like, you know, it could be like Mario 150cc mode or it could be like 50 cc So the oh, speed. Oh, and they're 50. different speeds. That's horrible. Yeah. You might get Vertigo. Yeah. uh, And it's like a bunch of different racers. What I think
2: would be really good on that is if, and it it might require games that track like where damage is, but if you could track where the point of collision was and then kick you to another one where you had that same point of collision, you know, like left, right, or front, you know, it it might come across as like the entire world changing around you when you Hmm. hit something. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about uh, how. This would really only be good if, if you could only use the shotgun, but I feel like if, if every time you shot a weapon in Doom, you got switched to a different Doom, that would be a fun kind of maddening, it, yeah. because the shotgun
3: has like just enough time between reloads that you could almost manage it. I would like to mention, by the way, my friend, it's semi-related, but my friend JP's thing called Mr. Friendly, where you can yeah. like talk to the doom monsters and they have randomly generated dialogue oh, yeah. and oh, they're you like talk
1: games. to yeah. these creatures <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah it's uh but i've seen i've seen similar things for doom i saw one where someone had like where whenever you went into a portal it played the batman like
2: thing i think i like the idea of the notion of if you collect 10 rings it brings you to a bad game or whatever i'm thinking like that might be really interesting if you know you mentioned the reload animation in doom if if it's a game that occasionally you have to reload your gun on when you reload it kicks you to i don't know like the battletoad speed bike section or something oh, like God. you know and you have to finish that in order to get back so like oh, it's Lord. now a game it's now a game about not reloading uh, yeah.
1: i was thinking take uh some of those three-on-three fighter games where uh you can hit a button to swap your fighter But instead of swapping the fighter, it swaps you into a different fighting game. So that's pretty good. Both fighters have control over that. And you're essentially playing three fighting games against them at the same time.
0: This would be a funny joke for like uh, 2001 or or maybe 2000. And uh, when the King of Fighters series was just reusing the same sprites over and over. And and (laughs) you'd be like, yeah, you switched the game. Can you tell?
1: Nice. Good joke. 20 years ago.
0: Wrecked. Take that, KOF 98. Okay,
2: I, I have an interesting thing you could do with this tech. You could take a, a JRPG with random encounters mm-hmm. and it could be like a patched ROM where you auto win any fight. But every time you do a random encounter, it kicks you to like a WarioWare micro game or something. Oh, that's cool. So you could be like Dragon Quest, but every encounter is a WarioWare
3: game. Yeah, I think Bennett Foddy did some sort of like game that shuffles through arcade games where you play like 10 seconds of each or something like that. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it's called. Yeah, that's that's very similar. That's a good point. What is that called? It might have been called Arcade Shuffler.
1: Mm. Arcade I mean, Shuffler. Yeah, that's right.
0: I think there's a lot of uh, unexplored territory, underexplored territory here. We should definitely. Oh, man, another one would be um, every time you shoot down a ship in like a scrolling shooting game, like Dodonpachi or R-Type or whatever, and you would sometimes be changing between vertically scrolling and horizontally scrolling. That would be.
1: Absolutely maddening. I've got a pretty crazy idea. So I hope uh you can stay with me on this. I what am not gonna stay with you on all this. Right. What if uh yeah, every go. time go. we touch I get this feeling and <laughs> every time <laughs> okay. we kiss I swear I could fly.
3: Yeah. Um, I, think that well, would
0: well, be I don't pretty know
3: about good the swearing, run. but um by the way, the Bennett Foddy thing is called multi bowl. Multi bowl. Multi bowl. Multi bowl. That's my answer to your question also, Alex.
1: In conclusion, multiple.
2: So I have an announcement: these uh, Gun knack ROMs—they're
1: just the final game. I'm sorry, everyone. No, dang it! I'm sure you'll find some gold in there. Keep panning. Is there something you've wanted to see video games do for a long time, but once they finally did it, you weren't that impressed?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, I can say, that. <laughs> I can say that. Um, I mean, around the time that GTA was popular, I was like, well, what if, what if you had like a totally cool branching narrative in an open world and like like every game <laughs> did that after a certain point and my excitement over open world games uh very quickly diminished after because everyone point. did it yeah yeah that's, that's, a that's good pretty one. good i'm having a
0: struggle thinking of one i know that i don't know i feel like i didn't have that many what wouldn't it be cool ifs until I actually started making games myself. Maybe the idea of developing video games and then the disappointment was the games that resulted. <laughs> oh, from <those> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, that's what it would be like. <laughs> yeah, that's what it would be like.
3: Just crushing disappointment.
0: Yeah. I didn't actually hope for this, but I had, you know, thought a little bit about what if Yakuza became like had an RPG battle system. And I was I would say I was pretty disappointed with the results. I'm even more disappointed that they are continuing to do that that that's the rest of the series now according to them that just came out today
3: really That's what they said they're doing it just to spite you
0: brandon that's right i mean it's not bad it's just it doesn't feel like anything
1: that's just what yakuza games will be going forward that's what i'm hearing hmm yep it's hard to believe. Right.
0: yeah well I'm, i'll see if i'll go to the tapes on this one during the break i'll see if i can uh pull that up for you it All may right. be a misquoted interview is up and often happens
3: I guess another one that I would have is like whenever I play like old NES games or Super NES games, I'd be like, why does the platforming feel so weird or like, why is it so clunky or, you know, this is why doesn't it feel like Mario, basically? And I just like wanted more games that felt. Like Mario, and then now I played like eight million 2D platforming indie games that all kind of have that feeling. And so that kind of need for that particular sensation is, is not really present in my life anymore, I would say.
0: That made me think of another one, which is as a younger person, I was like, wouldn't it be cool? Why don't they just bring Sonic back to 2D? Like just just do that. Like that's what everybody wants. And then they made Sonic four, which everybody's oh, forgotten man. exists.
3: And uh, that game blows. <laughs> People at the time were like, oh, it's not too bad because they, they didn't have <laughs> anything else to compare it to. Yeah. Other than the
2: old ones. You think Sonic Four Part Three is still in development?
3: It's coming. Yeah.
1: No, that's what Sonic Forces was. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Sonic Forceps. Okay. Oh, yeah.
2: So I think every time I've had like an idea that's stuck, it's it's not been anything substantial. It's just like ideas for what a Batman video game could be. Or Mm -hmm. like I had this thing in my head for a long time of like, what if there was like a platform game inside of people's brains? Um, And when Psychonauts and Batman Arkham came out, I'm like, yeah, these are way better than the things I (laughs) fantasized about.
1: So I I am the opposite of disappointed. Your dreams are coming true all the time.
0: (laughs) I also, as a much younger person, had those kinds of thoughts like, what if they made a Batman game? And then I was like, oh, they've made like 15 <laughs> before I had that thought.
2: Right. But also at that point, you could be disappointed because they were yes, pretty bad.
3: True. Well, the NES Batman game is not too bad.
2: Okay. So my, my thought process wasn't a game that's good. That says Batman on it. It's a good Batman game where
3: you feel I like see. Batman. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That game is more just like a NES platformer.
2: Right. I love the heck out of the adventures of Batman and Robin on the Genesis, but that's not a bad sure. game. Sure.
0: Yeah. I also really like that PC engine one where you're just wiping the paint off of the, the monuments or paintings <laughs> that the Joker has defaced.
3: Oh, it's <laughs> just like
0: Batman's day job simulator. And it's a Pac-Man style maze game. You should look it up game. if you haven't. Uh, great music and has um, amazing wave animation when, they're, when you're in the sewers. Mm-hmm. That ISO one is, that's the Commodore 64 one that we like to joke about. Where you, no, Batman it's the Spectrum. Spectrum,
2: spectrum and Amstrad.
0: Yeah, Uh, Yes. where Batman lost all the pieces of his car.
2: The plot is that Robin has been kidnapped, and in the game, you are not rescuing Robin. Uh, You are putting the car back together so that Batman can rescue Robin without you. (laughs) (laughs) The cool part of the game, you don't get to play.
1: (laughs) No, no, you
2: just have to fix the car.
1: It's not even the Batmobile. It's like a Bat hovercraft. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: We talk about this game a lot on here, but I there's a there's a certain part of me that really respects the design decisions that went into this, because I feel like they were made like across a span of 30 seconds. Like yeah. they, they had a couple of thoughts and they were like, let's do it. And then they made it and then it was finished. And it didn't matter that it was nonsense because that was that was the Batman game that you got.
1: You know, time is up, but my next question actually is which property-based video games take the greatest liberty with their source material?
2: <laughs> that one. <laughs> that's a great one. I mean, that's like, let's, let's, I mean, I've, I've played this. I've looked at long plays and stuff. It is a three-quarters perspective game where you are uh, Batman, but you're kind of tubby Batman. You've got like a gut um, and maybe mm-hmm. no pants. It's hard to tell. Uh, and you are, uh, so it says in the Batcave, Uh, But the Batcave is, if you've ever played like Solstice or Equinox, it's like one of those British isometric puzzle-y games. And in the Batcave, there's like mutant dogs and there's robots chasing you around and there's there's severed elephant feet that you have to stack up to get places. Um, It's chaos. And the pieces of your car are randomly scattered throughout this uh, labyrinthine Batcave that uh, has zero of the cave tropes. There's no giant penny. There's no, you know,
1: uh, T-Rex
2: or whatever. There's no back computer. It's just nonsense. And there's just a story that's only in the manual about uh, Robin being kidnapped, etc., so, yeah, this game has almost uh, this game has literally nothing to do with Batman. It's, was it's it originally a
1: Batman game or was it a totally different game with Batman slapped on it at some point?
2: It is the first game that this duo did in that style. Uh, But they went on to do uh, a follow up that had nothing to do with Batman. That's essentially a sequel. Um, But I don't know if they started with or without Batman or if they, you know, just got a license and didn't care about it and just made a game. I'm not sure.
0: I kind of wonder if. The people that made Landstalker and similar games played any of these in the past, or if they independently came to the idea of isometric. Well, stacking.
2: if they did, the only thing they took
3: was the isometric perspective <laughs> and the
0: stacking of things to get up to higher zones. Oh, that's a whatever.
2: good point, actually. Yeah.
3: So I, I would say, um, uh, the game, uh, Mick Kids. Um, Mm -hmm. because uh, i've been to mcdonald's several times and i did not experience similar things to that i don't know where they got Mm -hmm. upside down uh things that like you know and and it wasn't like a, a, a weird dreamscape it was actually quite a letdown based on my experience with the game so i would say that that was um yeah, that was unfortunate. I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't get a, a McDonald's eating experience from yeah, that what game. What
1: would a more faithful McDonald's video game be like?
0: I, I haven't been to McDonald's, so I appreciate knowing that because having played <laughs> only played the game, I I thought that's what it was like in there.
3: Um, I think I think there should be a super size me game. Uh, yeah. I know I know that was 15 years ago and Morgan Spurlock got canceled or whatever. I I don't <laughs> actually know what happened with that, but I think that's what they should do because I think it's t- it's due for a revival and I think we could all use that. So you get Tubby Batman and you mm-hmm. put him in there. Yeah, I
0: think that's that's probably.
2: Um... Yeah, I can only think of Batman games, so everyone keep going, <laughs> 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 or I'll talk about Return of the Joker.
0: Something that I would have liked if, if they had done it was, uh, you know, that Pop Full Mail game on Sega CD was supposed to be Sister Sonic. Yeah. It was going to be like this hack and slash Sonic sister. That would have been pretty inappropriate, at least at the time. And I, I think that would have been fun. But then they went ahead and made Sonic for his The Black Knight and gave him a, a sword anyway. So w- whatever <laughs>
1: frank did you know that while that game was in development it was called revenge of the joker
3: i did i i literally can't think of anything i don't know like so many licensed games just like i mean there are a lot of them that were kind of like that batman game where it's like you got to collect your five shoes and to unlock the four keys to like release your best friend who didn't appear in the actual movie or things like there were a lot of like early like 80s licensed games like that but i can't think of any that like Stand out in particular.
0: Yeah, there's got to be some really good ones that we're missing here because there are so many games that were like, you know, it was just some game, and then they put like Bruce Willis's face in one of the cutscenes, and now it's a Die Hard game or whatever.
2: Well, there's like almost anything on the Atari 2600. Just that's just like just an abstract concept that has little to do with the property. Like I think the GI Joe game is a game about uh, shooting a giant snake in the face.
0: Yeah, but if you took it too literally, you could um, you could sort of be like, oh, then that's Snake Eyes.
2: <laughs> no, it's Cobra
0: Command, dude. Yeah, Cobra Command. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess uh, yeah, you wouldn't be shooting Snake Eyes because he'd be on your team. No, he's a good guy. But wasn't he, in the first episode, he was like, or no, I guess Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow is the one that sort of switches sides, right? Uh, so, well, actually, Somebody was afraid of <laughs> seals in that episode. I was trying to watch that show. I don't, I don't actually know
2: the lore. I just remember that Cobra Command was the bad guys. It's true.
0: I mean, there's some that are just really terrible, but they, you know, they might as well be. There's a, there's a no escape game on the Genesis that's like, it's, it's basically unplayable, but the, it's not like the movie is fantastic.
1: So
3: that's fine, probably.
1: Evangelion. Mm. Like every Evangelion game.
0: I guess.
3: I think there's a Waterworld game. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it has anything to do with the movie. I just think that's funny because there yeah, was. Yeah, that was the
1: big Virtual Boy game. Yeah, <laughs> oh, nice. And the
0: Sega's the sorry the Super Nintendo Waterworld soundtrack. Uh, I think the game didn't come out.
3: It's oh, okay. fantastic! It's mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. That's what I was thinking it. of. I I only know the soundtrack. So yeah, yeah.
2: There were like six SKUs of Waterworld, and I think two of them came
0: out. Yeah, there was a Saturn one that got. The Saturn one is the
2: Virtual
1: Boy game, but on the Saturn.
0: Yeah. And it and it got found recently. Well, two years ago.
1: Here's our fifth question. Design a new non-dance game for the DDR pad.
0: Hmm. Twister, but that's too easy. So
3: something else that's not Twister. <laughs> I used to like watch this dude that I knew from like an online community years ago play through like NES games on a dance pad and beat them. That was his whole gimmick. Yeah. I'm trying to think of things that would be good for that specific setup, though.
2: I was gonna say that I, I, I'm bored by the idea of of stepping fast, and I think maybe more balance is what I've got in mind. And and it doesn't have to be balance on one foot or whatever. It just has to be like you know maybe you're on. I don't know, surfboard or something, and and or hoverboard, right? Future, future, right? We're in the future. Okay. You got some kind of hoverboard that's kind of like those things you used to see walking around San Francisco. Those kind of douchey guys on the board. You know what I'm talking? I still about? see him.
0: Yeah, yeah. The people looking like Gizmo Duck.
2: Yeah, the Gizmo Duck thing, but something like that. But like maybe actually floating, and maybe you have to sort of lean in different directions. But it's like you know, it's just a matter of like timing your steps. Um, with your two feet in terms of like, maybe one's on the right and down, and then you have to go right left, um, to maybe navigate through obstacles, um, that are, I don't know, maybe like that Japanese game show where you got to fit through the wall. Yeah. Maybe something like that, but you're sort of like rotating by leaning your body weight.
0: I've been thinking about like a diner dash type plate spinning game. You know, you have to serve customers the right food at the right time. And so you've got to like grab the correct food from the back panel of the, like the back three directions. And then you have to deliver to the right five people and you have to like step back, get the right food, step forward, give it to the right person. And as it speeds up, you wind up getting into this almost DDR like space. I don't know if it would be too easy, but I feel like as, as it sped up, it would get difficult especially if you had to serve two things to two people at once
3: that makes me think of that game incredible crisis for uh the the ps1 um Mm -hmm. something where you're like uh just this like kind of hapless uh regular person going to work and you're like dodging all the things around you and it's very like comically like there's anvils falling or whatever and you have to go into the subway and like Bump through like a billion people and you're you almost miss your train or something and then you have to go get some coffee or get some food in your office is like something crazy is happening at the office that you work at and then you have to go like pick up your kid and like so there's like different uh where you have to like dodge different things and there's a lot of like goofy stuff going on I I feel like that could work yeah I think any kind of
0: QTE thing could be good or it would be funny if you had to play with the DDR pad and something else, so like you're playing Shenmue, and then suddenly the quick time events happen, happen, and you have to you have to start stepping around. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Also, um, also, I completely lost my thought. How about that?
2: Well, pretty how good. about this? Space Channel Five.
0: Yeah, Space Channel Five. That's
3: good. Don't you mean D Light? Do I what? Uh the the band that uh, Space Channel Five oh, ripped yes. the 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 titular character off of what not oh. the titular character but
2: okay then we will we will license the real thing and and write history that,
3: that that would be good to one-up sega by um i think d light lost that lawsuit though because yeah, it was
2: they...
0: it proved that they uh they started the development and had the character before and so it was like a weird coincidence maybe though maybe Still a little suspicious dang i had such a good idea now it's gone forever
2: Yep. So it probably goes. wasn't better than Space Channel Five. So and it probably wasn't. I kind of like the the Shenmue Quick Time events where you're like running through town and people drop boxes on you or whatever if you do wrong things. So maybe something like that.
3: Yeah. Just everyone is comically against you. I yeah. mean that it, is what living in New York City is is like. So it would be inaccurate.
2: yeah. So you basically take the Shenmue thing but like apply Paperboy uh, aesthetic to it and then do Quick Time events on the dance pad. I think that's our game.
1: Yep. We got it. 45 seconds before the buzzer. We'll be right back after a quick break.
3: Man, I had such a good idea. I don't know what it was. Well, maybe you'll remember at a very inconvenient time, and then you won't write it down, and then you won't re-remember it when there's other people
1: around. Seems likely. You could quickly record yourself when you come up with it, and we'll patch it into the episode. I'll, I'll see about it. Welcome back to the Insert Credit Show. It's time to nice. dive hip deep into the dirt bag where we take a question from our subscribers to patreon.com slash insert credit where by subscribing at any level, you can get access to that question form. Our regular episodes one day early. One, one day, day early. early. One day early. One day early. Full Metal Alchemist. And uh, you could even uh, access to bonus episodes, such as the one that dropped in your feed a week or two ago. Here is our question from Spencer, who asks, what makes a definitive edition of a video game definitive?
2: Mm, that's a good question. Um, Everyone on the development team dies. Ooh. <laughs> that's something. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that up, except to soldier on with what I was about to say, <laughs> which is uh, it must contain every feature across every skew of the game if there were multiple
1: all the pre-order bonuses
2: yeah well for
0: sure yeah or like the ada Wong missions
2: you know a different level in the ps2 version as a as a thing or whatever it's like that's got to be in there Mm -hmm. um all content has to be in there so for example i I did not approve of the special edition of monkey island 2 because it cut out the intro of the game for some reason like the opening credits so uh, that is nowhere near a definitive experience.
1: Oh, I have that problem with the new near replicant. Hmm.
0: Which in which aspect? They cut out the old intro. Uh, uh, they didn't. They just put it later. Oh, fair enough. Um, and I was glad that they put it would later. You
3: say it's uh, near to being uh, a definitive edition, or or like near? it's not. I think so. Like it's near to to being a. a... Oh, I see. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would. I would say it's close, but I would spell close in a weird way. Okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, it really they really should have they really should have put the old man in there. I mean, yeah,
2: he is kind of. <laughs> i played it, not,
0: not in a real way.
2: I think if you are doing any sense of remastering that involves uh, changing anything, uh, that the original experience needs to also be in there. Um, whether that's through a toggle or just like a different you know selection at the menu or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's like a when when they would put a game on the saturn it specifically happened on the saturn a lot there would be like a, an original mode for the how the arcade was and then an arrange mode for the things that they wanted to fix
3: exactly that sort of thing the rare replay collection they had a few games in there like that game jet force gemini where they added an option to have modern controls for the game and it like vastly uh mm-hmm. improved quality of the game (laughs) things like that i mean obviously having the option to play the original game too but things like that and frame rate fixes uh i mean sometimes with like nes games i guess people like the chugging frame rate but having those options certainly would be yeah
2: always make an option because uh for things like that i can't guarantee design decisions weren't made knowing that the game would slow down at this point so you can't just like completely uh, wipe it out but that said i agree like if you can increase things like frame rate as as a new option do if you can go back and get for example less compressed recordings the double fine remasters of the adventure games did they got the tapes from lucas arts and and redid them so they had less compression i'm much more compelled by doing the best you can with the vintage recordings than getting the actors to reprise the roles
0: agreed what do you do in a situation like where the Genesis, the sprites display on a TV 108% <laughs> of their real size? What do you do with that kind of thing? It's uh, a tough
2: question. You're talking 108%. What do you mean? It's like scaling?
0: Pixels aren't square. Right. When displayed on a Genesis. And like every every console does it a little bit differently and the Genesis had like 108% um, vertical yeah, so You should always
2: target artistic intent. And I think there's... Almost no argument that uh, artistic intent was uh, based on the pixel aspect ratio. But if you could uh, do the actual research into the process, you might learn some things. Like you might find out that art was outsourced to someone who just did it in Deluxe Paint and didn't think about it or something, right? So you might yeah. you might be able to figure stuff out like that and, and present
1: it in a way that was uh, intended, even if it was wrong upon release. Uh, so could you even make a definitive edition of a game that was intended for a CRT television? Um, You do your
2: best. I mean, I don't think there's any way to make it definitive because it's always going to be interpretive by nature because there's no replicating a CRT.
3: It has to be cross-platform on every single possible platform that you could ever release it on. Right. You know, someone's like, I don't have the platform to play this.
1: I don't know. Is accessibility part of uh, definitive? Mm. I think I don't know. Somewhat. That might be a different thing.
3: What do you mean by accessibility, though? Because that could mean a bunch of different things.
0: I think he just meant access to the game. Yeah.
3: Oh, oh. No, I thought you not, meant like not
0: real access- accessibility.
1: Oh, I thought okay. you meant
2: like colorblind mode and stuff like that. So right. it's like, yeah, maybe. I mean, I
1: kind of mean that too. Yeah.
2: I mean, maybe. I mean, yeah, that could be a thing. Take a lot of work on on a game that was not
1: meant for it (laughs) i guess the answer is i don't know what makes a definitive edition of a video game definitive
3: everyone has to die yeah i think
1: liz nailed it at the beginning and we just kind of filled time after that anyway speaking of near what game has the best cast of supporting characters in your party Hmm.
0: i really like dragon slayer legend of heroes on the turbo graphics when you can recruit a slime that's good (laughs) yeah Oh, you can
2: good. do that in a bunch of Dragon Quest games, too, so maybe that maybe Dragon I will. quest
0: five. Maybe yeah. I will. Dragon Quest five is a lot lighter. Now. I don't know about a
2: bunch. I've only played five and whatever the new one is.
3: Yeah. I have a really boring vanilla answer because I know next to nothing about jrPGs, but um Final Fantasy Six, sure. it's a great cast,
0: yep. it's got a good cast in there. I don't know. It's hard for me to think of a good cast bar none. i f- I feel like mostly they're just you know, they're fine.
2: They're all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know if there's more near discussion coming, but one of the, I, I played it for the first time with this remake, and something that I realized having played through it is that I never got terribly attached to the companions. And I think that's because, well, first of all, I'm talking about like the initial ending in- 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 yeah. or whatever, but second of all is because there is no sense of mechanical growth for these characters. So when I'm playing a typical JRPG, you get a new character in your party and they're kind of weak and they kind of grow with you. And they might start like, you know, you might learn new spells for them that like turn them into like an MVP and you come to depend on them and stuff like that. And it's like, there's, there's a level of growth that makes you attached to them. So I I, I, I suspect that for me, um, my favorite, you know, supporting characters are going to be ones that I, I feel grow with me as opposed to, uh, are know, just, just there. Are just there. Exactly.
0: Oh, I think actually I have, I got a couple here. One is, Shin Megami Tensei games where I get attached to like a certain like a fairy or whatever and I'm like I I wish I could keep using this character because they say wacky stuff. Like those sub characters are odd and they do things that you don't expect. And I think that that, that makes a bigger impression on me than someone that is like has a real nice narrative arc or whatever just somebody that's unusual is is more compelling and then that makes me think of uh pokemon which is like i just want to have Mimikyu in my party because i like Mimikyu. and it's i i find it compelling because it's like picking out what kind of dog i like at the pound or something and being like i don't know I, i just like this dog
3: you just love the way that they say that their name
0: yeah
1: Uh, Trying uh, to play through a Pokemon with the uh, Nuzlocke rules where uh, you can only get a limited amount of Pokemon and if they die, they die. That fosters a much deeper connection with your party than uh, you would usually get playing through the game as intended.
0: Do you all remember this time when everybody was playing the Xbox 360 XCOM uh, Enemy Unknown or whatever? And a lot of people were naming the characters after real life characters. I think I've talked about this on the show before but uh you know i named all the characters on my squad after real life people and you know people people would be like saying on twitter to each other oh you died i'm sorry you're not coming back because uh, you know characters die forever in this game and then i named one of the characters after a friend who actually did die and then i was like well oh, I say, no i can never play this game again because i don't want her to die in this video game so uh Ugh. yeah so that, that i that's an external attachment that happened because of you know like a, a sort of meta game that people had been playing with it about putting people's real names into it but that i certainly became attached in that way and it made me care about the game a lot
3: more interesting i don't really have anything else to say <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> i've been blanking i just i can't think of it other than like you know the one that i mentioned i can't think of i played a lot of the game anachronox for pc no one <laughs> yeah <laughs> Game, but i know
2: an akronaut
3: okay there are some good characters in that game they don't give them full time to develop because the game was supposed to be twice as long but oh i didn't know that
0: do like luigi and toad count like they, they're they not on the box of super mario brothers 2 or whatever well i guess luigi technically they're yes, not but, companions
2: because uh, you play as them right like solo so they don't assist uh Companion. you they they are you um i really good like point. all of the companions in Fallout New Vegas, I think all of them are really well written and you learn who they are through quests, which is important to me that like you do things together with them and decide to help them or not. Uh again, they kind of grow with you and at the end of their quest lines, uh again, mechanically they kind of upgrade, they get a new skill and it's typically something where it's like if you do this thing together with this person, you have a combined new thing. So I like that those guys too
0: we did that in indivisible but i would not say that we were as successful because we didn't have a lot of time to make those arcs and so a lot of them felt a little bit shallow
1: i and... like some of those characters
0: yeah some of the i mean but like in terms of the upgrade arcs and stuff some of them yeah. were like all right i don't need to do this i like some of those characters too
1: i wrote them is there anywhere for the battle royale genre to go from here in the
0: trash
1: <laughs> speaking,
0: speaking of uh Licenses that got too far away from their origins. Like, where's where's my battle royale video game? Right,
3: based on the movie. It's a no-brainer. Didn't the person who made that movie also work on a video game? Is that who, yeah. who's the guy who worked on Clock Tower Three? Right. It
0: is. It is indeed. Yes, that's correct. He ah. did the the directed the cutscenes for that, and it's one of his. I've, I think it may be his last credit at, because he was like five million years old when he did that. Kinji fukusaku
3: Interesting.
0: Yeah, he directed a lot of cool stuff during his life. And then suddenly at the end of his lifetime, he directed Battle Royale because um, I think that it was there was a manga first. And he was like, I don't know, I'm going to do some biting commentary on the state of uh, bullying and also um, what adults think of children. And then he made that movie and it blew everybody's brains out.
3: Is he like the Japanese Paul Verhoeven?
1: That's kind of apt.
0: Yeah, there are kind of a lot of Japanese Paul Verhoevens now oh. that I think about it. <laughs> Paul Verhoeven needs to become a Paul Verhoeven again, is my opinion. Well, yeah. he just has a movie coming out this year and he's 83 years old. So okay, what do you want if from he, him? He, he kind of stopped being Paul Verhoeven and then started being like, what if a woman was in a bad situation? <laughs> and then made that movie for like well, yeah, 15 there you years go. that
3: is the the newest one the lesbian nun movie which i am very much looking forward to seeing
0: if you check his uh his recent films that have been made it's yeah.
3: it's not far off from lesbian nun movie <laughs> well, i know i have I'm, I'm, very, I'm very aware i've seen uh at least black book Which is a good movie, very good movie, but it's also an action movie. But yeah, that was his first movie he made when he wasn't in uh, the U.S. anymore. What I was gonna say is, for Battle Royale to do something really interesting, I feel like there has to be several different like genre innovation things happening. I actually had a a student to to completely steal his idea, pitch in the in a class that I was teaching. Like we had just these, you know, a game pitch thing. And it was, like, they weren't actually going to make these games. It was just, like, pitch an idea and, like, how well you present the idea, etc. And one of them presented a game that was, like, started out as a battle royale but ended up having, like, a a narrative that unfolded sort of like a... They compared it to, like, Doki Doki Literature Club where there's, like, a one-time narrative thing but it doesn't... You don't see it until you play through a a few matches or something like that. I don't know. I feel like... Something more interesting should be done with like that as a base. Otherwise, b- Battle Royale as it means to itself is kind of like, you know, it's
1: used up. Yeah. Yeah. If you made a Battle Royale game based on Battle Royale, how would you get like the commentary in there?
0: It would be pretty tough because, well, OK, maybe maybe it would be like if it were Battle Royale plus diplomacy. So you have to like form alliances through like dialogue choices and stuff with other human players and then choose to keep those alliances or not. And there are some consequences for not keeping them or or keeping them or whatever. Um I feel like you could get some stuff in there that way
3: through the kinds of choices that you present. I feel like you'd need some more narrative. You could have like a totally bonkers like narrator, commentator person yeah. like the game Bastion, except just very just off the wall kind of commentary happening while they're playing the game.
1: Sure like a gta radio announcer but good yeah something like that
0: i was just thinking about how i think the first battle royale game i ever played was um saturn Bomberman, um because like you can have up to eight players in 10 in in the specific mode but um eight players and then at the end of the match like the field gets smaller and you're all forced in and everyone who's dead can still throw bombs into the play field it almost feels like there's there's more you could do with the dead players than is currently done. Um, although maybe people are doing that and I don't know.
3: That's just like my favorite battle royale game. Uh, tag. Yeah. Oh, tag. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, if they made a uh, massively multiplayer burger time, it would be a burger time royale with cheese.
3: <sighs> only, Only in Europe. Wait, have you ever have any of you ever seen this video where it's like a professional Burger time player talking about playing Burger time and he's like like when you make a drop on Burger time you better be goddamn sure that that you know what you're doing <laughs> 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 I love it. love it and he' has like and being like yeah
1: you yeah he's like we'll yeah. put a link to that in the chat if yeah. you can dig it up for us that's certainly compelling
2: yeah that just made me remember that Burger time world Tour was a game that existed
1: Yep.
3: Was it a As sequel a... to Rampage World Tour? <laughs> it was set in
1: the same universe. Uh...
2: <laughs> the World XPLA, I believe.
1: Anyway, yeah. let's burn some bridges. When have you had to lie about how you felt about a video game?
0: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wrote a uh, preview. The one time I well, not the one time. Um, the one time I wrote a full preview for a game for a magazine was for GameStar which was like, it was like, no, um, you mean
1: GameSpot. It, yeah,
0: it was basically Maxim plus video games, which was, I don't know, why I ever agreed to write something for that. But I did. And I had to write about Metroid Prime, and I didn't like it. And they didn't want me to say that I didn't like it. And so I wound up instead writing about how it's cool, because it forces uh, regular gamer types to play a game through the eyes of a woman whether they want to or not (laughs) because they have to play Metroid.
3: gamer type gamers yeah gamer type type of gamers yeah Mm -hmm. GTGs. for for me it's like uh it's well i I don't know it's a bad idea to ever get involved with like indie game development if you're ever an opinionated person or write criticism because there's just (laughs) so many things that like i wish i could write about this but i happen to know somebody i mean there are the list is so huge. I, I remember I was at like a party one time and someone's like, oh, this is X, you know, they worked on Dear Esther. And I was like, God, I fucking hate that game. <laughs> <so much." laughs> I, can't, I couldn't say anything. And it was like, I, I feel that way when someone like, doesn't play video games a lot and like you don't want to be a jerk like comes up to you and is like oh yeah journey is the best thing ever like we love i know several people who have worked on journey it's a fine game but it's uh, not my favorite it's not just that game it's like a lot of games where people will come up and be like oh yeah that's my favorite game and it's like i don't want to like have a whole conversation about why i don't like this game to them because then they'll just be like okay whatever you know i've definitely put a lot of people off that way i i was at the Dice Summit, the
0: last time it was possible to be at it, which was two February's ago, I guess. And um, uh, my buddy Chris Graft was hanging out with somebody who I guess was... He worked on Uncharted and was a combat designer. And I was like, oh, I don't like the combat in that game. And he's like, oh, that's too bad. And I was like, here are all the things I don't like about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, all, it all depends on what bridges you feel like burning, I guess. Because, um, I don't know, I'm okay with it sometimes.
3: <laughs> It's fair. I mean, you've survived uh, pretty long, so I don't know. I feel like I'm constantly burning bridges, so I don't even think about it anymore. I mean, I I don't like outwardly try and, you know, make it. Yeah, I'm not trying to be
0: mean. mean, It's it's just it's like when somebody clearly has a lot more money than me and did something I think is not that good, then I feel okay with it. (laughs) I just uh, don't think my
2: opinions are very important. So <laughs> I don't well, know if I That's the difference between
0: you and <laughs> Yeah, that's right, that's right I, I, I can't yeah. get on board with that
1: That's the difference between you and everyone else with the podcast yeah. I, I feel like if 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 I
2: lie about a game you know, It might be that I just pretend I haven't played it or something You know, like I, I yeah. will not pretend to like something I didn't like um Brandon's magazine thing reminded me and I don't I don't think this counts necessarily but it's it's fun to say which is that uh I did once review a game for a magazine by reading all the reviews online and just kind of combining them
0: oh, <laughs> sure nice
2: I don't see a reason not to the definitive review
1: it yeah had elements exactly. from every review
2: Oh, I mean, like I read the reviews and and the gameplay explanations, and I kind of figured out the things that I'm pretty sure I would like and not like, and and waited those and and never played this game to the, to this day.
3: I, I will say one time I wrote a review of something based off of watching like a lot of gameplay footage and after i wrote the review i played a bunch of the game but before it was posted so i had plausible deniability <laughs> that no one could say you haven't played this game because i did but it just happened to be after i finished writing the review
2: <laughs> yeah high five yeah pretty good you did that in an age where you could look up uh, gameplay whereas I, I, this is pre
3: yeah. youtube for me oh yeah no this was like Uh, 10 years ago or something i can't
0: remember actually doing this but i feel like at some point i must have lied to a publisher or a pr person about a game in order to get someone to write a feature for game developer magazine like i I Mm. must have been like you know yeah we really we really like golden axe for xbox 360 over here yeah we're, we're just real big fans of it and that's why we want to get you to do this postmortem, when in fact I knew who was writing the postmortem and that he was going to eviscerate the process and say how terrible
3: it was, um,
0: I must have done that at some point, but I don't really, I don't really
3: remember doing it. But I must have. I also, uh, by the way, have not played a lot of games, and people assume that I have. So sometimes, instead of just saying no to answer every single one of their questions about whether I played, oh, sure. a game, I'll be like, mm mm-hmm, "Yeah," and just yeah. like not
0: really say anything. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've kind of done. I must have done that plenty of times because sometimes you just don't want to. You just don't want to deal with it.
1: Sometimes thinking and talking about games is more satisfying than actually playing them. Most
0: times. <laughs> I was just having a conversation with with Christian Nutt about. Um, I was talking about Christian Nutt again about uh, 3D platformers. Yeah. And whether there were any good ones, and I w- I came to the conclusion that I have a lot more fun thinking about. How the failed ones could have been better than playing any of the good ones.
1: But haven't you played ukulele? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, that's the buzzer I have to sound anytime someone mentions ukulele.
3: (laughs) And I just, I just own Brandon so hard because ukulele is such a great game that yeah, I got (laughs)
1: wrecked. Uh, Question ten. Who is the John Swartzwelder of video games? Uh,
0: it's not me, that's for sure. Oh,
2: that would be uh John O'Brien, programmer of the adventures of Batman and Robin uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah, on video yeah, ID. So
1: and that's it. That's the end. All right. Uh for our listeners who aren't aware of John Swartzwelder, he wrote like all the good episodes of The Simpsons and is a famous recluse and only just gave like his first interview in 20 years. Yeah, he's this massively important figure to comedy that just completely disappeared off the map
2: and you know un- unlike most recluses he seems like an okay guy too yeah, yeah he's fun. yeah
3: i mean i think he's like a like a libertarian or something i the the Probably. closest thing that i could think of is like jeff minter i don't know yeah but he's not gone but
2: that guy continues creating though yeah I, well it's not elder though i mean sports yeah. is he self-publishes yeah, I've, I've, I've that's read like five of his books. I
3: just keep yeah, and a lot of the Jeff Minter games. Like no one has played anything after the year. Right. two thousand.
2: Well, then I mean, that's kind of the same thing then, right? Because yeah. it's, because I don't think yeah. a lot of Simpsons fans have read the time machine did it right. And, and no, I mean, they should. So yeah, that's actually a pretty good analogy. Cause it's like, I don't know that the people who are really into the Jeff Minter stuff are still playing the new Jeff Minter games.
0: Yeah. Yak yak 3000 or whatever yeah. <laughs> it's a plausible title the The thing that really got me about that schwarzwalder interview was you know he he was talking about how the best way to to write something mm-hmm. like the hardest thing about writing is is going from zero to something basically and to just write anything even if it's bad is a real help because editing it and making it better is much easier Mm -hmm. than writing it the first time. At first I was like, oh, that's cool because that's exactly what I do. Um, that's what I, the the thing I independently came to of uh, like the best way to do things. And then I was also suddenly stricken with, oh no, if that's the best way to do it and I'm having this hard of a time with it, like (laughs) what, what what hope do I have for success in the future?
3: Oops. I I mean, I guess another person that I would say is like, and this doesn't even really work, but in terms of being reclusive and uh, productive, uh, incrapara Stephen Lavelle has like made tons of stuff, but he's never had anything that's like super mainstream successful like The Simpsons. So I don't really know that that's a that's a great comparison. but
2: Yeah, it's got to be like an influential recluse, yeah. right? Yeah, um,
3: yeah. It, It's hard to think
0: of someone better than Jeff Minter, really. Like that, because once he really, again,
1: you nailed it right out the gate.
0: He's he's living out in Wales with with farm animals like he's he's reclusive but you can probably talk to him pretty easily like he does interviews that's true. you could get you could get him it's mm. still
2: it's still the best we got so far
0: i mean a lot of japanese game developers are reclusive in a way that's like first of all their company won't let you have access to them and then after they leave they like use a pseudonym forever and have never shown a picture of their face or whatever like that
2: yeah I mean, Swartzwelder reminded of, like, Steve Ditko. So, like, who's the Steve Ditko of of video game authors? And I I can't think of it. I I think the guy who wrote Colossal Cave Adventure will not talk about it, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Okay. What's the Steve Ditko connection? I'm not aware. Steve Ditko
2: was the creator of Spider-Man, and uh, he didn't talk to anybody for, like, the last 20 years of his life. He didn't respond to things like his artwork being in museums. He just didn't care. Interesting.
3: I mean, this isn't really a great comparison, but Chris Crawford made a whole thing of like leaving the industry and all that. But he did a bunch of interviews and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that, that yeah. works. Either. It's,
0: kind of, it's kind of almost the opposite. He's like, I'm leaving. I'm yeah, I'm taking like- my toes <laughs> <turns> with me. <laughs> yes. and, then, and then every time someone would be like, we're going to do this new narrative thing, he'd be like, no, story. I'm here. <laughs> Listen to me.
2: <laughs> Razzmatazz. Yeah. But I mean, was his work, this is not a slam against the guy at all, uh, was his work actually influential?
0: No, and also he didn't do the thing that we're talking about, where he became reclusive. So.
3: You know who's a, a pretty good one, but again, mostly just because she died, uh, that she's like you know uh, reclusive or whatever. But like Danny Bunton, I guess, is another. Mm. Sure.
2: No, she gave talks and stuff when she was yeah. alive, though. She was pretty active at DDC, at so um, and she left a lot behind too. Like there, like her her papers are at the strong, stuff like that.
3: Okay, well, not good example. I I didn't. Yeah yeah they can't
2: all be diamonds liz okay
3: <laughs> well i i said the first one the first yeah, one
1: yeah. best we got it i yeah. think
2: we should go on to our lightning round don't you okay yeah
1: let's do it all right this week's lightning round
2: is uh, this intent- named after lightning the final fantasy character i never
1: got to ask before <laughs> uh no we, it's actually named after lightning returns the sequel to final fantasy 13 okay got it specifically the game not the character Uh, So Nintendo has finally agreed to license their properties to Universal to build a cinematic universe, but they're only allowed to use characters from the Donkey Kong game. You cannot use Mario, but they are willing to compromise on Pauline. You have three minutes to plan phase one of this franchise, culminating in Donkey Kong Country. Okay, we can only use
2: Donkey Kong characters? Yes. So that's... Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., and Pauline, right? And um, Stanley the Bugman.
3: So Donkey Kong Country is at the end, right? Is that the... Yeah, yes. okay. that's the Avengers. We'd uh, get Topher Florence, obviously, to do a Funky Kong thing because he's already making a Funky Kong-related game, so... Oh, uh,
1: yeah, for sure.
3: Uh,
2: okay, so Donkey Kong Country, that is... Uh, we're, we're going with fan canon that Donkey Kong... That, that, like, Cranky Kong is the original Donkey
1: Kong? If that's the direction you want to go. Oh, that's a good point. That's true. So, we so,
3: to... uh, Donkey Kong, he moves to the city. Uh, he has to work a bunch of. Uh, it's sort of like on the waterfront. Like he has, he works. Yeah. He's like a Marlon Brando, and there's a big, uh, there's a big situation happening on his dock works, and he ends up betraying uh, the company and, and alienating everyone and. Uh, because of that, he becomes a villain and he gets all all angry and and, and blames Mario, who's the, the head union. Uh, he can't uh, use Mario. Uh, can't use oh, Mario. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. And uh, so he gets really angry and then he just starts throwing barrels everywhere. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, uh. Where,
0: where does King Cruel fit in? Because I, I just looked it up. And so that, and he's so in I think
2: I think we do the redemption arc here. I think Liz has got the right start.
3: He has a child, Donkey Kong Junior, who he abandons. So John, Donkey Kong Junior has to go off and learn math by <laughs> right. Himself. And but but then they reunite. They reunite um, down the thing. But there's still you know some generational angst there.
2: Well, I think we kill Donkey Kong Junior because he's not in Donkey Kong Country, right? Um, and so, you know, that might be a sh- it might be part of the redemption story is uh,
3: he has a horrible <laughs> accident. Like he gets in a car accident. Right. And
2: and it, it, it causes Donkey Kong to stop throwing barrels by the penultimate movie before Donkey Kong Country. Like at the at the climax of that movie, he does throw barrels again, but this time for good. Ah, uh,
3: he has to throw the barrel to save the local, uh, school from being taken over by the evil parking lot manufacturer how many movies is which this? is a you know?
2: lizard it's it's like a lizard that that is like it's kind of like a thanos preview for king k rule which ah. brandon wanted to bring up um so yeah and you get the post credits thing with the king K rule croc wondering why the the school takeover thing didn't work um and like gripping the arm of his chair with his like his claws, you know.
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: And then there's a spinoff with Funky Kong and Candy Kong, uh which is directed by Robert Florence, like we said.
1: And those two movies lead into Donkey Kong Country, where Donkey Kong finally meets.
2: Funky no, it's Kong. more than it's more than two movies because the first right. one he's a villain, and then there's a redemption arc with the kid. All right. So yeah. there's a, there's at least okay, three. We movies got a little
1: u- we got a little universe yeah. going. uh that's our episode. I'm gonna give Liz Ryerson the win for this one. You're off the hook. ha
3: uh-huh. ha. Uh Uh, i'll consider it a reward until this happens again and then it'll be a burden
1: (laughs) uh, well this is the part of the show where we all talk about the stuff we're working on if we want people to know about it and otherwise uh recommend any kind of action they can take before the next episode uh arrives for them to fill their time
2: uh let's see i was playing that near game and i beat it the first time and i started it the second time played a little bit and got bored and i watched the endings on youtube and that really worked for me so don't be afraid to do that
0: nice okay uh (laughs) i don't know if jeffy agrees i was on
1: board with you (laughs) playing on easy mode i'm not on board with that Uh, that's too bad because uh i have a life to live fair enough fair enough
3: enough. uh vive savi um French now well we're referencing movies so I haven't really been doing much lately I guess I um, I may or may not <laughs> nice. be starting a new podcast but it hasn't fully happened yet but it might be a music related one uh, about uh, like Pitchfork the website and indie music in the 2000s and kind of making fun of some of that stuff but we'll see um, I also w- would recommend games that I have not played but are fascinated by on Steam, and that is the Tomato Way Trilogy. (laughs) Um, A uh, series of, uh, I I guess it's a Russian FPS where you're a giant tomato, and the tagline of the series is that Tomato Way is the only way. That sounds pretty compelling. Yeah,
0: I'm on board. I got a couple. Uh, Probably everybody knows uh, Toshiki Katamatsu the musician and i was listening to the album touch and go which really rules also see Is a lady that's another good album listen to those. um i vaguely recommend watching the movie returner from 2001 which is not that great of a movie but if you are interested in watching a movie that is uh, like a japanese movie that doesn't look like it's set in japan and you can't tell where it's set at all it's very interesting for that like the ambiguity of the sets and in, and interiors and environments uh, for the first thirty minutes, I was like, "Where the heck did they shoot this?" Turns out, they made most of the sets in a studio, but they intentionally made it ambiguous, and it's kind of it's kind of cool. But uh, the movie's not that great. I don't know. Watch watch part of it, and then my last recommendation is find some way to get your parents or your grandparents vaccinated. <laughs> Do yeah, use some secret trick to try to get them. Uh, the the one I'm
3: going with, with my a r r a l on your super Nintendo controller. Yeah, that's right.
0: I'm trying with my dad and stepmother uh, withholding visiting until they do it. Oh, uh, I'll Ooh. let you know if that works. I think it won't, but um, I don't think talking to them about it in, in like a logical way will work. So you got to do some kind of a secret trick. So if anybody comes up with a cool trick for their parents that don't believe in science, uh, let me know.
1: We'll do. I think that's everybody. Uh, I will say that the first result for Tomato Way, when you Google it, after the Steam results, an entry on something called the crappy games wiki. Uh, So there you have it.
3: Well, well, no, we don't listen to those kinds of negative Nancys.
1: Fair enough. Here is my recommendation for this week i would like to recommend that if you're listening to this on itunes or spotify or any other platform where you can subscribe to a review podcast that you engage with us in that way to keep the algorithms pushing us upwards and forwards you can also go to patreon.com slash insert credit as previously mentioned where you could become a patron to submit your own questions get our regular episodes one day early and even access to regular bonus episodes and other exclusive content one day early sorry (laughs) (laughs) one day early uh we're still trying to hit our threshold of 420 patrons so we can record and release our next special episode uh if you've let your credit card expire over the past month now would be a good time to uh re-instigate that
0: the last two months we keep sliding back down it's like we get up to 400 something and it's like oh we're gonna do that 420 episode and then a month rolls over and then we lose like 20 people and then we have to build our way back up again so we gotta, we gotta get this I bet episode. it's
2: all British people, because I think we slam on British games like every episode.
3: I honestly think so. Dang. I said something nice about Rare, and I actually do like Banjo-Kazooie. So. Let's, do a, let's do a nice about British people episode. Yeah, uh, that would be soon. fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let, let, maybe our next list episode should be the best British game. Oh man, that would
0: be, that would be pretty fun. Uh, yeah. It would be fun exercise. <laughs>
1: And we, we should try to get British guests for that, too. Yeah, you should get a British guest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can also join us on forums.insertcredit.com and follow us on Twitter for our own personal updates and projects. The show is at Insert Credit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank is at Frank Safaldi, Brandon is at Necrosofty, And Liz is at Ilaguro. This show is produced by Esper Quinn with music by Kurt Feldman. Once more, I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Safaldi. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And
3: I'm Liz Ryers.
1: Oh, you did the nice voice again. And your game has now been saved. Game over again yeah! Brandon, did you remember the thing you wanted to say from a he- bunch heck of questions no, ago? I did not.
0: No, I, I really, I, I swear, I had a great idea for that DDR thing, but it just uh rocketed out of the old brain. It's really d- disappointing. Tomato right way, it, yes, VR. it's the tomato way of things.